Welcome to Turn About Breakdown, a podcast about the Ace Attorney series. We are in the fourth case of Ace Attorney Investigations. We've had a flashback. We've gone back to Bratworth, the the tidiest baby, Edgeworth. <laughs> and also baby Francisca and baby Kay. A case full of babies. I've already called one episode of this podcast Oops All Babies. I can't. I guess this is Oops All Babies too. Yeah, I mean... I'm all for it. <laughs> Do we want to talk? We've we've mostly been starting with investigations with a high level notes. Um, <laughs> do we want to do that here? I mean, we can. I'm really curious to hear your thoughts because we kind of talked about this a tiny bit before we started recording, and I was intrigued. I don't want to say anything to not spoil your view. So yes, please, please give me some high level thoughts. <laughs> yeah. So what Shane's mentioning here is that. Uh, I think it was my last note. Yeah, my last note. Said, like, this is good, this story is good. And yeah, this is good, the story is good. Like, for example, like, I think it was, like, the first, almost, like, half hour of this case. It was, like, all story and all, like, background and, like, cool new characters, which I love, like, throughout all the case. And I was like, yes. And we also got to see, like, or actually, like, be in the courtroom again. Not in, like, <laughs> an official capacity, but we were there. And it was great. Like, everything was great. And then it was like, okay, the first investigation, I was like, it's fine. I mean, it makes sense uh, because of what happens and whatever. And then when I realized I was like watching like a, or witnessing like an hour and a half was just like back and forth. And I was like, ah, again. And then it picked up again towards the end. And I was like, oh but yeah, your, this is good. your last note, right? Yeah. So that was still your overall thought or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, okay. I'm really liking this story. That's good. Like, I'm, I'm liking it even more, like, with every passing case that we play and talk about. It's not it's not like I'm having, like, a, such a bad time with the game that I'm <laughs> thinking, like, oh, yeah, the only, like, saving grace of investigations is the story and it's the only thing that is keeping me going. I don't think so. But, yeah, it's kind of, like, I think it's, like, a norm by now that characters are going to be, like, rebuting stuff for, like, half an hour, even though mm-hmm. we know... Uh, oh yeah, this person is the culprit. But I appreciate this case in particular having like more story uh, than the others and more like back and forth on that stuff. And the KG8 case in particular is like super interesting and see the parallel between this one, uh, mm. between the two of them is like, I don't know, I was like super hooked in the story, but I don't know about the investigations. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you on the investigations part. We've talked about that. Um, I'm really curious. Like, I, I mean, obviously, I'm happy to hear that you're having a good time. I think I'm having kind of a different reaction to the story than you, which is really interesting because on the trilogy, we were mostly like really aligned on stuff, right? Like, obviously, the context of us two playing is very different, mm-hmm. but. Like, the story of the trilogy is obviously great, whether it's the first time through, like, for you, or the seventh for me, or whatever, right? I think because of that context, right, I came into Ace Attorney Investigations with really high expectations, or not even that, but, like, obviously you came into it with really high expectations because you really liked the trilogy as well. But I think (laughs) I was like, I know that I love Ace Attorney Investigations, and I'm thinking, like, do I? Like, I'm still enjoying it. But I've said this before, like, it's much more from a perspective of, like, I'm really enjoying seeing things from Edgeworth's perspective and hanging out with the characters and stuff. I think the story just really isn't gripping me in that way. Like, the KG8 stuff, like, we kind of talked about this a little bit before we started recording as well, but I played this on Monday. It's now Sunday. 
I barely remember, like, what the overarching plot of this case was, honestly. Or, like, how it linked into the KG8 stuff, you know? Hmm. And, I don't know, it's just not that exciting to me. (laughs) And I don't know whether that is down to the pacing issues, but I think it goes back to what we were saying last week about, like, stakes and stuff, right? Like, it's all about this smuggling ring, it's all about this, like, embassy murder and stuff. And, like, obviously, murder is pretty high stakes, or, like, international crime rings is pretty high stakes, but it's not personal in the way that the trilogy often is, and it's not, like, been built up to in this way where I really have this investment with all the characters. Like, the only person who's really involved with the Interpol part of the case is Francisca, and, like, we haven't seen her, obviously we see her in this case as a kid, but we haven't seen her be involved in that case since, like, the first, oh, the Turnabout Airlines, Turnabout Departures, as we've renamed it. (laughs) You know? I don't know, like, I'm just not that invested in the overall story, to be honest. I've invested in it in the perspective of Miles Edgeworth's very bad, no good 72 hours, which we've definitely talked about before. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, if I'm being honest, it's like, yeah, I mean, that's why I clarified uh, that I had a great first half hour with the case. <laughs> uh, and then I was like, okay, I'm gonna scroll down on Twitter while I watch uh, Francisca and Edgeworth talking about the same thing over and over and over again <laughs> until they can, like, move on with the case. But yeah, I don't know. I think what interests me about like in this case in particular is, like seeing people like Detective Bad, for example, having like all of these uh I don't know like past histories or like uh with different people and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it's like kinda like a fleeting thing because it's like uh I highly doubt I mean, of course he's not gonna be like returning anytime soon. And the thing you say about Francisca is yeah, I mean of course, it's gonna come up again in like the next case, but only because it's like the last case, and there's no other room for that. But it's kind of <laughs> like, yeah, it just it's something that happened like two cases ago, and I don't know. I mean, we see Lang for a bit here, and it's like, oh yeah, the song. That's it. I mean, there's I not much I to it. I genuinely don't understand why he showed up in that case. He literally t- walks in for one second. It's like, oh, I'm here basically to learn from the American system and then just walks <laughs> out again. I don't understand why. I think it actually fits into what we were saying about this kind of very almost Ready Player One style that they've just packed so much into this game. Like, Lang shows up here just to be like, oh, I recognize Lang and then leaves. It has no relevance to anything. Yeah, I literally heard the song and I was like, oh, are they using his song for, like, another character? Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, it's him. And he's gone. Okay. Yeah, it's weird. I want to go back to what you were saying about Detective Bad, though, right? It made me suddenly think that when you were talking about, like, oh, how he talks about his past involvement with the case and stuff like that, for some reason it just reminded me really strongly of Rise from the Ashes, the DLC case in Game 1, right? The one with Emma and everything. Mm-hmm. And something about this case really reminds me of that case in terms of how it's all to do with that previous crime, right? And it's like the echoes of that crime into the present crime and stuff like that. Which is curious because that case really works, whereas this one really... I I did enjoy this case. I'm being quite down on it at the moment, but I just felt so much more emotionally invested in that one, right? And I think it goes back to those things we've been talking about before again, about how you have one character all along who you really want to defend, which is Emma, right? Like, Emma is such a good character in that case for giving you an emotional investment. And not only is she your client to the reason that you want to get to the bottom of what happened in the case, but she's also actually, like, heavily involved with everything that's happened throughout, like I said, like the previous case and this case. Whereas 
in this one, like, we don't really have anybody who... Like, we have actually a lot of characters who are involved in both, but none of them are, like, set up to us as, like, to be really emotionally invested in, right? Like, Detective Bad is a fun character, but he's hmm. not, like... I don't think anyone's, like, emotionally invested in him, right? Like, he doesn't show oh, yeah, vulnerability no. in that way. I do remember really liking him when I was a teenager, but that's more of, like, a... Oh, he's just a really cool character concept, you know? And obviously we have Kay, who we are emotionally invested in, and at the very end of this case, she's like, oh, we... Like, she wants to get to the bottom of this. And that, I do think, is getting at what they should have been doing through the whole of this game. But she was only introduced in the last case. So we had two without her entirely. And now in this one, like, it's really fun to see her as a kid. And it definitely, I think, is going to help in the next case. But it doesn't really tie us into this case very much. Because we're not, like, getting to know her more or talking to her more. She's just more, like, used in the narrative of the case as, like, part of the, you know, mystery that happens. Obviously, we'll get into that later. We've, we're doing a very, very high overview right now. But I think it's worth it because um, I think that is what's interesting about Ace Attorney Investigations is more of this high-level stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think K in particular has like a really touching, not moment, but like segment towards the end uh, that I really liked. But yeah, it's kind of like, I don't know, it feels like, yeah, playing through hours of this game only to like kind of see that moment and like kind of understand why she has like somewhat of an attachment uh, with Gummy and <laughs> Marius. Um, nowadays, and it's like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, the pacing issues is not just not just a thing that happens during, like, the cases themselves where you're just, like, uh, I'm bored and just want to, like, see more of the story. But I see that it's also affecting, like, these, like, larger and, like, more interesting character mm. arcs that are never, like, fully developed. Definitely. And now I'm gonna see, like, how everything's, like, kind of thrown at the wall in the last case <laughs> and I don't know how that's gonna work. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say what we talked about earlier, which is that earlier and I mentioned to Diego that the last episode of this it's like seven and a half, eight hours or something like that. And usually in the trilogy, we like to split those because there was always a lot to dig into. Um, I feel like the pacing issues are going to throw that off. And <laughs> I really don't want to split it in a way where one part of it is just us being like, oh my God, it was so boring and the pacing was so bad. So we're going to do the next episode. It's going to be all of that together. And, you know, again, I don't want to be spoilery and I don't want to put any thoughts into your head about how it might be. But I think at this point, like you can see why I might make that kind of decision. <laughs> so, mm. I've been thinking about it since the beginning of the season when we first like ran into these pacing issues. Um, so I'm curious to see how that goes. But I think, like, I think it'll be a really interesting episode to record because we will have all of that eight hours to talk about. So it'll be quite... Like, we can condense it down a lot better and make it a lot more interesting, right? <laughs> Whereas I think splitting it would run the risk of really having very little to say. Okay, Capcom, so this is the way we will have done this case instead, so... <laughs> yeah, well, no, I do think genuinely, like, I mean, we've talked a lot about what we would do better or not better, like, I don't know how to make <laughs> a game narrative, but I know, like, these, these things we've been mentioning about the investment with the characters, the stakes, the pacing of the investigations, like, those are all genuine good critiques, I think, and I'm happy we've made them, even though I'm a little bit disappointed with investigations as a game overall. <laughs> yeah. But we, we, we're getting really high view now, because we haven't even played the last case. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see how it all wraps up in the last case, mm -hmm. and I'm curious to see, like, what they do with the investigations, too, as well. Yeah, I mean, 
I will say also, like, I remember the last case having a lot of fun thematic and character work, so I'm looking forward to that. And I'm really looking forward to Investigations too because I think it has so much of the same pacing issues, or I think maybe it has more interesting stakes running through it in terms of Edward's character, which I think helps it along a little bit in this way. So, hmm. I hope that's true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, should we drill down a little bit into the case itself? Yep. I'm glad we did that long high level because when I opened my notes at the beginning of this podcast and I saw all the details about like KG and stuff, I have to admit, I was like, I don't want to go through this bit by bit. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I'm at in terms of the story. But let's focus it on the parts that are actually interesting. So what I do like about this flashback is, well, we kind of mentioned it already, but the characters both having the younger characters who we who we mentioned and then the new characters who are introduced are all really interesting. So the first new character we're introduced to is Kay's dad, Bern Faraday. So he was a prosecutor, which is already interesting information, right? Because it shows how Kay is like integrated with the legal system um, mm-hmm. in a similar way to, for example, Edgeworth, whose father was a defense attorney and who was also raised by a prosecutor. So it's interesting. And then we learn that he was accused of being the Yatagaratsu, which we know Kay considers herself to be the the successor to the Yatagaratsu, right? So we can't, it kind of makes sense. But throughout this case, we ha- have like a lot of back and forth about whether that's true or not, which <laughs> that's kind of one of the things that they talk about a bit too much, but it's still interesting. And... Yeah, in this opening that you talked about, we hear about K, uh, KG8, which is a case where there was a murder at the Embassy for Kadopia, which is another made-up country. <laughs> I honestly didn't get a lot about what this country is supposed to be like, but they're just leaning all the way into it. And we also hear that there was a, a scandal where the Amano group, obviously going back to Ernest Amano from the last case, was involved in smuggling with this embassy, and the witness in that case was killed. Hmm. And then they're all talking about how many parallels there are to the current case, but like, it, like, I don't know, like, honestly, I'm having trouble explaining this because I didn't really internalize all the different parallels that were supposed to be going on because they're just kind of all thrown at you at once. (laughs) So, I don't know, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of struggled with the overall part of this case in general. To me, the more interesting stuff was like, how this ties into Kay's story now, and- Yeah. Like, I mean, there's some really great parallels in this with Edgeworth and Kay as well, because what happens after all of that lore dump is that Kay's father is killed, along with the person who was being accused, along with the person he was prosecuting, who had also accused him of being the Yatagaratsu. Are you keeping up? Because I'm barely, like, keeping up with my own, what I'm trying to explain right now. You know, to be honest, I'm, I'm quiet because I'm trying to, like... Uh, remember the latest to be like, oh yeah, and explain it to you. And I'm <laughs> getting lost as well. If you wanna if you wanna explain this, I would love that, but it's it's really hard. Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. So let's focus on the murder. I mean I mean sorry, us. I mean I think the main thing is that so like both the prose- prosecutor here and the person being accused uh got murdered. Mm-hmm. And I think yes. in like in the quote-unquote original case, there was like a similar thing. And I think the other parallel was like, there was a mention of the Yatagaratsu. Yeah, so in the original case, the Yatagaratsu had, sorry, in KGA, I should say, let me be specific because it's confusing enough already. (laughs) 
the Yashgaratsu had evidence of the smuggling, right? So they were like obviously involved in that. But then they also said that it was a fake, I think. See, it's so confusing. But yes, it was definitely, the Yashgaratsu was definitely involved in that KGA case. And then was obviously involved in this case because the defendant was saying, oh, it was Faraday who's the Yashgaratsu and he told me to like do this murder and stuff. Hmm. Anyway, then they both die. That's the important part. I honestly think all of that stuff is kind of useful for tying into the bigger picture, but you could have cut it off <laughs> and just focused on this uh, murder, which is interesting where both of them die. Uh, Kay Faraday, not Kay Faraday, Burn Faraday is shot. <laughs> and uh, Mackerel, Mackerel, the defendant is stabbed and so the the police are like yeah they killed each other at the same time at which point edgeworth is investigating and is basically like this is not true and that investigation comes about because edgeworth is supposed to take over from faraday obviously because he was accused and then because he died so he kind of has to take over and francisca is also there she's only 13 it's very fun to have a 13 year old francisca around and they kind of turn it into a competition to (laughs) Uh, see who can figure it out. Also, Manfred is there, but I hate him and I'm not going to talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> yep, fair enough. I mean, I will say, actually, I should say, because I do hate him, but he is presented in this case in a very hateful way, which, like, is good. It's good characterization, And, like, always, like, playing Francisca and Edgeworth off against each other to make them, like, competitive and mean. And, for example, like, He's there to watch Edgeworth in court, which obviously never really happens. But um, at one point, Fran is like, oh, will you come and watch me when I have my court debut? And he's like, maybe. And it's like, oh, that one line is so, like, cruel. (laughs) (laughs) So actually having him here is fun in a way of uh, love to hate kind of thing. Yeah. And the other thing that's interesting about it is, like, in the same way as that other case where I was like, oops, all babies, the uh, Trials and Tribulations fourth case where we have baby Edrath again, baby Mia, and baby Gumshoe. That's baby Edrath's first time in court, and we know that. So we know that this case never makes it to court. And we also know that because it's kind of how investigations works, but it just brings in that sense of foreboding, which we kind of also had in that case, because we know that something bad happened at the end of it, because we already knew that Mia was, like, traumatised over it. So <laughs> so we have that sense of foreboding. And then that also led me to think about how, like, this is supposed to be Edrath's first time in court, and it gets called off because two people die. And then in his second attempt, he does make it to court and then someone also dies. So it's not a good time for Edgeworth. No, neither in the past nor in the present. Like he's been having like a <laughs> shitty time. That's very true. Fuck. He needs to catch a break. I can kind of sympathize with him after all of this. <laughs> Almost. Almost. <laughs> his 10 investigations too should just be him like on the beach. <laughs> But yes, after Faraday's death, we get introduced to another really, really fun... Well, we saw her already, but a really, really fun character called Callisto Yu, who just can't stop laughing at Edgeworth at how pretentious he is, which is such a fun character trait. I think there should be more people like this, but because she's the only one, it really makes her stand out. Um, And I love her design and everything as well. Like, she's probably my favourite character from this game. Except Edgeworth, obviously. (laughs) My favorite minor character. I love that character. I love how, yeah, she just like fucking started laughing at his face like immediately and then just like nerd it up. It was so, so, so fucking cool. Like she's constantly like quoting stuff from him. And when you see yeah. that, like kind of taking out of his like dialogue 
It's so, so funny. Yeah, like, it really draws attention to the fact that, like, yeah, he does talk. So, <laughs> it's, it's so funny when you, when you actually look at it. So, yeah, having a character who, like, really draws attention to that is so funny. And especially because he's, like, 20 here. So just imagining, like, a 20-year-old who thinks that he knows everything, you know. Oh, it's very, very good. I mean, that's Edgeworth. But, yeah, it, it's funny to see, like, somebody actually, like, picking it up and, like, making fun of it. All the time. Yeah. And seeing his reactions as well. Yeah, he hates it, which of course he does, but it's very funny. Yeah, so I guess that's like the half an hour, which is really interesting in this case that we that you talked about earlier. And then we get into the sort of meat of the investigation and things get a little bit repetitive, I think. Yeah, I mean, like, again, I think it was like the previous episode or the one before that you mentioned, like, oh yeah, depending on like the situation and the context, the investigations make sense. And it does make sense here at first. And you have, like, that rivalry between, like, oh, yeah, this is a competition with Francisca. And yeah, it's fun. Cool. But then it's, like, it's been an hour, folks. Like, come on, <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point I was thinking about, like, whether some of this comes from having just played the trilogy as well. Like, the S20 trilogy is, like, so well plotted, right? Like, okay, there's there's, like, two cases that are bad. But, like... The way that everything ties together and the way that, like, so much of it is really, really tense and, like, intense and, like, emotionally high, right? Then going into this, which is, like, a lot slower in general, I wonder if we had, like, either if we had played this first, which obviously wouldn't make a lot of sense narratively, but, like, you know, if you were playing this as a new player, like, how would you find it? Or if you were not doing what we're doing, (laughs) and if you had taken a little break, I wonder whether that would have alleviated some of the problems. Um, oops, but... That's kind of the nature of how we're doing things. Yeah. I mean, we did take a break, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, for, like, three weeks. So that's not actually that bad. Oh, yeah, we did it. But, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, like, when these released, it would have been, like, like, obviously not including Apollo Justice, but it would have been, like, at least, like, a year or two, right, in between releases in general. So it's interesting. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, going back to Callisto, one of the things that's really interesting about her beyond just her laughing at Edgeworth all the time, which is extremely fun... Uh, we find out that her sister was killed in KG-8. So she she's a defense attorney, but she is basically defending people who were related to that case just <laughs> to like find out more information about it and stuff, which again is just like iconic behavior, to be honest. Yeah, queen shit. Queen shit. Speaking of queen shit, baby K just walks up and kicks Edgeworth for no reason. <laughs> like a lot of this, a lot of this case, like I said, like K isn't really in it except to, like, give Gumshoe a reason for lying uh, about where he was, which causes him to be suspected of the murder. And also, obviously, because that's how she knows Gumshoe and Edgeworth, although that doesn't come up at all in the last case until the very end, because they don't recognise her. But, you know, it, it gives her her backstory, basically, about her father dying and, like, being involved or being related to this larger smuggling case and obviously being involved somehow with the Yatagaratsu stuff. But it's fun to have her just, like, running around the courtroom being comedic relief, right? Yeah, it will probably, like, deserve that kick as well. <laughs> Maybe not in that moment, but, like, in anticipation. for Just like, in general? Just in general. <laughs> a kick to h a day keeps the uh, <laughs> so-and-so away. I don't know. I think about it. <laughs> okay. Um, I was going to say, just to emotionally, to change the emotional arc of this 
podcast of this game. Kay is also like, yeah, she's this comedic relief character, right? But also she provides a lot of the parallels with Edgeworth here, right? Where obviously Edgeworth's father was also killed in a courtroom. So <laughs> it's like, it's definitely used to give that kind of, you know, it's bait for me to be sad about Edgeworth, right? Uh, which is fun. I like I love to be shot about Edgeworth, but the thing is, like, it does work for me, right? But it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about how, like, there's some really great moments in every case of this game, but you just see them and you're like, okay, well, that was surrounded by so much padding that I don't, it doesn't really hit as much as it could. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame, I think. I mean, they clearly knew what they wanted to do in terms of, like, I don't know, like gameplay wise, and it's fine. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's related to what you say that. We still have, like, the trilogy fresh in our minds, uh, even though it's been a while. But I don't think... Uh, or, I mean, something else I've been thinking about who is, like, I am not actually playing this time around. Yeah, that's true. So I'm not that... I don't have to be as invested in it as, as I was with, like, the, the trilogy, for example. And maybe that's kind of, a, like, a disservice. But I don't think it will change that much, really. Mm. I don't think it would because... We were using walkthroughs in the trilogy as well, right? Yeah. And if you don't use a walkthrough in the trilogy, or here, but obviously we don't need to here, but then you get some similar issues, not exactly with pacing, but with getting stuck, right? So then it kind of just, you have the same problem in terms of, I mean, that inherently messes up the pacing, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Well, I mean, yeah, if I were getting stuck in here and making like the cases <laughs> longer, oh, fuck, yeah. No, you're yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And like... I definitely think we haven't talked about it so much again because of the the way that we're watching it instead of playing it. But I think there would be a lot of places where we were like, that was so obnoxious. Like, how were we supposed to get that? Especially with some of the logic matches and stuff like that. I mean, with that, you can just, it's a bit easier than presenting evidence and stuff because there's only so much you can do, but still. Yeah. Uh, speaking of great moments in this case, which are like hidden <laughs> among <laughs> bloat. Edgeworth mentions that he had a dream that he was being squashed from above by the judge's gavel, which is exactly the same dream as Phoenix has in Ace Attorney 2 at the very beginning. What was the purpose of this except to be gay? I don't understand this. I don't understand this. Uh, that's an old timer quote. <laughs> like, wow. There's a lot of... Okay, there's like... Obviously, K is like mostly I, I know I just said she was mostly here for emotional uh, for, for comedic relief here but obviously she is also like used here to make the case a lot sadder with regards to her father which works in some ways for me and doesn't work in other ways because for example one of the things I really like about it is that it gives us this chance to see Francisca as being really empathetic towards her mm. which is great because we actually see that a lot in Trials and Tribulations I remember commenting on it and it felt like kind of growth for her but it actually shows that no she's always been like even though she is really rude to people who she feels in competition with she's always been really nice to like a lot of people in the in like other aspects of her life you know who she doesn't feel threatened by so i like having that show even when she's here as like a young teenager um then the thing that i really don't like about it is that they keep basically telling kate to man up <laughs> and be like oh you can't cry like one of her rules with her father was like don't let strangers see you cry basically and it's really weird like she's like eight or something i don't i think she should be allowed to cry yeah i think at some point like miles is like okay like just let it all out but then it goes back to it oh, again i think yeah uh, maybe it depends who's talking weird. to her then but I, I forgot about them or i didn't notice the miles one so yeah it was weird to me uh another good friend moment here is 
her saying that if... Uh, so they're talking about Callisto and how her sister died. And Fran's like, yeah, well, if my sibling died, I would obviously take revenge, which is a fun <laughs> a fun Fran moment, uh, especially when we consider that she considers Edra with her brother. Although she does also have another sibling, I think. So uh? yeah, so this is this is a deep cut. But remember in game one, like there's no reason for you to remember this. But <laughs> I'm just going to preface say no, but go on. <laughs> In game one, when they had Manfred in the in the turnabout, whatever the fuck it's called, turnabout, Edgeworth has a very bad day. <laughs> Obviously, at that point, they probably hadn't come up with Francisco at all, but Manfred mentions having a daughter who has her own kid. So Manfred says he's a grandfather, right? Which obviously can't be Francisca because she's like 17. Hmm. So Francisca must have an older sister. Uh, it's a very deep cut based on that line where they obviously hadn't planned anything, like having Manfred be any kind of bigger picture in the case, in the games. But yeah, they should introduce her at age 27. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, yeah, I was figuring out as you were talking about it that, yeah, it's not a thing that comes up in the games. No. <laughs> I guess that's a small spoiler, but still. No, 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 it's fine. But I mean, it's like, see, like a fandom thing, or... I'm suddenly like, I'm I mean, asking you, is that a Tumblr thing? But you know what I mean. <laughs> no, I mean, it's been mentioned, like, on Tumblr, people are like, oh, why did they never... You know, it's more, it's not like a thing that comes up in the fandom where people are like, oh, we're writing about this Von Karma sibling in fanfiction or whatever. It's more just, like, something that people think about. Because also, like, people think about, like, who's Edward's mom? Like, she never comes up. Or, like, who's Francisca's mom? Like, again, that never comes up. Like, they're never mentioned at all. Mm -hmm. So people say, like, you know, or, like, who's... Phoenix's parents, like, we never hear anything about people's families outside of, like, very specific characters who are introduced. So when this Von Karma sibling is, like, brought up as, like, a, uh, oh, obviously they didn't mean anything by that, but, like, isn't it fun to speculate about it kind of thing. Right. And also, I will say, I think it's interesting in this case because, so that means that Francisca has a niece or nephew, right? And we know that Francisca is pretty good with kids, like in this case with Kay. So I think that's kind of a cute thing to imagine as well. Hmm. But I haven't seen a lot of that, honestly, which sucks. I bet it's out there, but more more of that in my inbox, please. <laughs> I did have, okay, I had a thought here. We're going back to the why doesn't this game work as well as the trilogy. And I had a thought here where one of the pieces of evidence is a the knife that was used to stab Mackerel. Or was it used to stab Faraday? One of them was stabbed and one of them was shot. Anyway, it also turns into a key, which is called the Yatagarasis key and is like a big thing that they use for like stealing stuff or whatever. And the revelation that those are both the same thing is like kind of very pivotal to the case. And it reminded me of these moments in the trilogy, which I remember bringing up in this podcast and being like, oh, it's very contrived, but it doesn't matter because the rest of the case around it is so good that you don't care how they get there, right? You care that the narrative works. You don't really think about it too much. Whereas in this case, that narrative isn't as strong. So you're just like, okay, like, why do I care about this? Like the actual evidence itself or the way that we get there becomes a bigger deal, which like pulls the whole thing down in terms of, like, it just makes it much more oriented on these details that like, aren't that interesting <laughs> whereas in the other ones the details it doesn't matter we don't care about that because it's part of this bigger picture that is much more important that was a very thing that i mentioned off the top of my head when i was taking notes and then explaining it's hard but it kind of makes sense i think yeah 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 i agree with that it's i don't know i mean you know that it's like as you were saying like a pivotal like piece of evidence for the case but 
Yeah, I don't know. I think it's weird, right? Because it's like, yeah, the focus is on investigations. Like, it's literally on the name. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it really is different to, like, even if, like, yeah, the structure of, like, the testimonies and whatever is kind of, like, the same. I don't know. There, there's a lot that gets lost in the shuffle, I think. Yeah. And um, I will say, actually, to this point, I was thinking that this case was, like... I guess the best paced out of the ones that we've done so far. Oh, yeah. And it's helped along by, you know, having the courtroom. So it feels a lot more like, oh, we are in a trial now. (laughs) And the whole time you're defending Gumshoe. So we kind of talked about this last time where it helps to have someone to defend because that gives you a motivation. And often those are just dropped. Like you prove them innocent, but then you still have to find out what happened (laughs) in a way that isn't very engaging. Whereas in this one, you are defending Edgeworth like basically the whole time. So that helps. However, as we mentioned, we're both watching this on YouTube. I saw a comment on this one that said, this episode feels unnecessarily extensive and repetitive IMO. And it kind of surprised me because I was like, to me, this one feels like the best so far. And like, if you've gotten to case four before thinking that, like, that's interesting because we've said that a bunch of times on this podcast, probably to the point where we're getting repetitive. Yeah. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was interesting that they'd commented that on case four out of five and not like case one where we were like, hmm, this is already a problem. Yeah. And again, interesting because to me, this is the least bad so far. The least so, the yeah, think, bad. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that's an advantage to, what, to playing online is that I've been able to like, to, to watching online, I should say, is that I've been able to like see some other people's reactions to it. <laughs> Which is something I can't do, because I'm not going to look That's at any true. comments. I've just realized, yeah, I'm glad you're not scrolling down on those, because fuck, some of them are very spoilery. You know, it's funny, like, I mean, I'm watching, like, like the whole game is, like, split into, like, different videos, of course, and they're all part mm-hmm. of the same playlist. But for some reason, like, in that in-between moment, uh, where I'm, like, sitting on the couch waiting for, like, the next episode to play out, uh, YouTube suggests me, like, I think it's from the, the <laughs> same person, clips from the great Ace Attorney Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, hold on. Like, we have, like, a couple games still to, like, go through until then. A couple? <laughs> if by a couple you mean one, two, three, four, five, I think. So, if so like... after this we've got Investigations 2, then we've got Apollo Justice, then we've got 5 and 6 and Leighton. That's everything, I think. And then two Greatest Attorneys. Yeah. Okay, we should have taken bets on this already. What will happen first? New Ace Attorney game, or we finish this podcast? Oh, no, new Ace Attorney game. I Wait, hope that's announcement, true, but we're, not released. we're getting through this pretty far. Oh, announcement not released? That's splitting the difference in a clever way. Mm. I think if we finish this podcast before the next Ace Attorney game, there's no more Ace Attorney games <laughs> coming out for sure. That will be it. I will never have hope again. Um, so I hope that there is a new one. But yeah, I know it's been not released. I mean, yeah, that's a good that's a good middle ground, I think. I have hopes. I don't think they're gonna like just leave. I mean, especially because like the great Ace Attorney Chronicles like was well received, I think. That's true. And then like everyone got back to the game after like the like the remasters came out. Uh, and there was that leak that probably like four, five and six were getting remasters as well. So I don't know. Yeah, I hope they do that soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be great. That one I hope they do before we get there because uh that would be helpful for us. Yeah, I miss taking screenshots, like, please, Kako. <laughs> yeah, okay, so, once again, going back to the facing issues, I had another thought about this. The, the good thing about the facing issues is that I get a lot of time to think in my own brain about where they're coming from. So, we get to the point of this case where we know that Callisto Yu did the murder. Now, just to pause on this, yes, 
She did kill two people, but have you considered I still think she's one of the best characters in this case? (laughs) Anyway, we've talked a lot about how it's like, oh, you're trying to prove something over and over again, like, oh, but do you have evidence for it? And what I've been struggling with about that framing that we've been using, I do think it's right, but that does also happen in the trilogy. And I think the difference here is that the way that it's presented is we figure out exactly what happened because of Edgeworth's logic and the investigation. We know what happened exactly. And then we have to explain it to somebody else, like Callisto in this case, which is Mm. obviously repetitive because we've heard it and now we have to hear it again as we explain it, right? Whereas in the trilogy, you are always flying by the seat of your pants. Like, yeah, Phoenix will get up to a certain point and then it'll be like, but do you have evidence for that? And what that evidence will do is like unlock a whole like new segment of what happened and the way that we're getting it explained is like simultaneously phoenix is figuring it out and it's being explained to whoever he's up against you know so you only hear it once whereas here you're hearing it twice every single time i think that makes a big difference yeah that's a great point actually thank you i forgot that i wrote that but as i was explaining it again i was like okay i feel like we've gotten somewhere with this because like i said it's been obviously a big theme of this and i don't have a problem with that but i'm always happy when we can actually get something out of it (laughs) so i feel good about that point and i'm gonna say so because this is my self-indulgent podcast of course yeah but i did feel again at the end here that like at the end they just pile on too many things happening at once like they talk about who the yatagaratsu is who they in this case Callisto admits to being the Yatagaratsu, right? Am I even right about that? I'm, I'm not 100% sure because of how much happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the flashback, not at the end of the case. Because right. it's like an yes. hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of the flashback, she admits to that. She obviously admits to the murders. Then they also talk about the smuggling ring and they talk about the murder that happened before and they talk about the murder that happened today. And like too much happens at once, basically, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, I know I, I do like that it plays into this bigger story and I understand why that's something that you're enjoying about it. But it just feels like, I don't know, it just feels like they're trying to do too much. I don't think they ever do this much at once in the trilogy. Even though they're stringing a lot of things together, they do it in a more subtle way. They do it in a more spaced out kind of way. Like the only time that they're probably incorporating so many things in the trilogy is in Bridge to the Turnabout, right? Where yes, you have like all of the Fae family backstory and like some of the Edgeworth stuff and some of the DL6 stuff and some of the, uh, you know, Dahlia and Phoenix stuff, etc, etc, etc. But like that's been built up over not just... Trials and Tribulations, but there are the two games as well. Like, all of those things are being brought up from overall a much longer time period. Hmm. So personally, that's, to me, one of the pacing issues is that they're just piling too much up at once. Yeah, the thing about this, the, and again, I'm not, I know it's going to get resolved in some way in the next <laughs> case, but it's all, like, backstory. Like, oh yeah, the smuggling, the smuggling. Okay, fine, but... <laughs> like what is it like i don't know kind of like it's cool that she says like oh yeah I- i'm also like part of it but if this was like the third case for example and then like they will use the fourth case to like kind of dig more into it without like revealing everything and then i don't know like making like the big review or whatever the fuck they're planning on doing and in the last <laughs> case i would be like okay yeah it's fine but it's just yeah they're gonna have to like go right to it yeah. in the next case so i don't know i still 
find it so weird that K was only introduced in the third case. Like, mm. like I know that one and two both had like references to some of this bigger stuff, but not in a narrative sense. Like they couldn't have done both of those in one case, like both of those actual murders and investigations and stuff. But in a narrative sense, if they just cut one of those murders yeah, and then like spaced out the rest of this a bit more, like not spaced out because part of the problem is that it's too spaced out. But like, I don't know what I'm talking about at this point. What would have fixed their pacing? Who knows? But... <laughs> it's a weird one because it's simultaneously like piles on too much at once here but also spreads out other stuff way too much yep but I do really like the end of this case where firstly Callisto pulls out a gun uh, and tries <laughs> yeah. to shoot Edgeworth which has a really good sequence where Edgeworth freezes Case saves his life by like tackling him to the ground and then runs away immediately and the first thing that Edgeworth does is check on Francisco who was also there and it's just a really great sequence of like people interacting I love hey I love it when the Ace Attorney characters interact (laughs) (laughs) I will say this feels like a very fanfic moment where it's just like so perfectly engineered to have those characters interact in that way and like it's just so melodramatic but I of course say that as a compliment yeah, I mean, he kind of, like, just got shot, so it's... I don't know. I gave them that one, I think. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm all for more melodrama. I think, if anything, this game needs more melodrama, unless, like, mm-hmm. we're reading this to you from a newspaper, you know? Who would have thought that a game about my search work would need more theatrics than it does? <laughs> <laughs> it's true! <laughs> God. Yeah, and so this kind of tells the story about how, like, Gumshoe and Kay are, like, best friends, but also Gumshoe didn't recognize her at all in the last case, and I don't really understand that. Like, I understand why they didn't want Edgeworth to recognize her, because they wanted to have this flashback case from Edgeworth's perspective, but Gumshoe and Kay should have just recognized each other and just, like, like, they could have just said stuff and Edgeworth could have just been like, oh, they met before, but didn't remember that he was there, you know? I don't know why they didn't do that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not like she changed that much. No, not really. Like, she still has basically the same... I mean, it's character design, right? They obviously make her recognisable to the players. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and so, we got our final kind of stinger, where we return to the present day. And Kay says, Callisto was lying about being the Atticarat, so it really was my dad. And that's why I've taken up the mantle of it. But... What I really want from you, Edgeworth, and this is why she randomly showed up again. Pretty good timing, given she saved him from being kidnapped. She wants basically Edgeworth to investigate and, like, prove that he really was, and he was a very noble thief and always stole the truth and stuff, you know, all the stuff that she wants to emulate. And to stop Callisto from, like, sullying his name by being the Etigarasu, but also being a murderer, basically. Uh, which I think that part I like, because it's very character driven yes it brings in all those things that we've talked about but it's about k at the bottom line and i think to me that's what they needed more of in this game is more character driven stuff that we can get invested in Mm -hmm. that's my bottom line for this case but they did do it so i hope that they can fulfill that in the next case and you say that and i can notice the laugh that you're holding on and i'm like "Mm." (laughs) i i won't say anything um (laughs) i definitely could but then I f- to be honest I feel like me saying that is like giving the wrong impression so don't like read too much into me not saying anything either <laughs> oh don't worry so yes this case an interesting one didn't like the details but liked a lot of the moments a lot of the characters Callisto is great Callisto is definitely the best murderer from this so far <laughs> and did like 
the way that it made me think about investigations and its pacing and definitely got me to have some more understanding of that insofar as that is actually useful but it is useful for this podcast so I'm happy (laughs) what about you any last or overall thoughts on this case yeah the only one but jacket really well (laughs) his bullet stained jacket it's so good the thing that got me about Bad's character design this time around is like He's grey. He doesn't have a single bit of colour on him unless he like pulls out his mirror or his lollipop. <laughs> <laughs> but like his his main sprite is just different shades of grey. Like even his face is completely grey. I really like that. I think it's what fucking Diego was trying to emulate. <laughs> and he couldn't put it off. But he, like Bad can and Bad does. So yeah, it's great. And it's kind of like his shirt is, uh, is black. And if I remember correctly, like, his tie is white. Something like that. It's, like, very, very, like, monochromatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a cool design. Uh, I really like Callisto's as well, so that was fun. All right. And we wrapped up on this case. Ready for the finale? I think so, yeah. It's weird, right? Like, it hasn't felt that long. Even though we skipped a few weeks of recording. Of which the audience would never know. No, well, we're professionals. thing is... For us, the finale episode of the trilogy just came out, right? So I think it's definitely a case of, like, just by coincidence how far ahead of recording we are. Like, right now it feels like the trilogy should be ending. But actually, we're almost done with investigations. Great show to us. Yeah. We are doing a good job. I'll say that on the podcast. Once again, this is a self-indulgent podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We're keeping, keeping ahead. Unless fucking, like, I don't know, Capcom comes here with, like, a suitcase of money to, like, each of us. And, like... Give us like a guidance of how we should talk about our own podcast. I would just keep talking about my own podcast to whoever I fucking want. So it's very true. <laughs> but if Capcom does want to pay me to shill about Ace Attorney, I will. <laughs> 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 it's a joke. It's a joke. I'm not paid off. I'm a journalist. Anyway, you can find me on Twitter at JM Costello and you can find the show at Breakdown AA. And you can find me on Twitter at DRWaysha66. That's our winner. Uh, and I have a, a pun for you this week as well. Great. Uh- <laughs> I'm gonna laugh like Callisto. So do you know how... Fuck. Do you know how Francisca eats, like, a Swiss roll? <laughs> this is a double pun. There's got two things that were involved in the case. <laughs> I, I don't. With whipped cream. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That one was good. <laughs> That one I'll give you. It was good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, this is only this is a thing that I should have said earlier, but Callisto U is the coolest name in the Ace Attorney series of all time, to be honest. Wait, is that a pun? Well, Callisto is uh it's not really a pun, it's just like they like to name them after stuff. So Callisto is one of the moons of Jupiter, and U is like a type of tree. So I just think combined they're very, very good. Uh I just really like it. Oh wow. It probably know has that. a reason why it's like that. I can read it off the wiki. They're really good at that. Um, like, it might be like a pun. Not like a pun, but like a reference kind of. <laughs> they do that with a lot of stuff. Oh, I just spoiled something for myself about the next case. I had forgotten something. Oops. <laughs> it's fine. I don't mind because I did know, but... Oh, Callisto is also a kind of butterfly, which I didn't know. Oh. Callisto is also the name of a Greek mythological figure which is why the moon is named after the same thing and um supposed to be a very beautiful uh, it's from the greek word kaliste which means most beautiful and if you remember callisto's makeup application 
the sprite that she's always doing. That might be a reference to that. Now, it does also say the full name Callisto U may be a play on Callus to you. <laughs> <laughs> which feels like a stretch to me but also does feel like Ace Attorney so fuck me I guess oh uh, we can just say that all of them are canon and that's it at least or canon in the French fan translation her name is Caliste Aria which is a joke for the French word of hysteria so like her laughing all the time huh. shout outs to the French fan translation that uh that was clever <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, we already did an outro. I really hope someone keeps making fun of Edgeworth during the next game. That's my, my ending note. Me too. Well, you can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I look forward to it. Uh, we will see you in two weeks then. Goodbye. Bye.